Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from Romans as we'll also hear about the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. You may be seated. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we give you thanks this day for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has saved us and declared us righteous through grace alone. And yet, Lord, we come here today acknowledging that this is really one of the hardest things in the world for us to believe. And so we pray this day, O Lord, you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that we would boast in nothing but Jesus Christ. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now to the one who works, says St. Paul, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Today, St. Paul in the book of Romans is teaching us the core message of the Christian faith, that our righteousness, our right Standing, our right relationship with God is not based on our works, but it is based entirely on the gracious favor of God in Jesus Christ. That you and I are declared righteous by grace alone. And now this is not a teaching that St. Paul made up, but in fact is the core message of the entire scriptures. From Adam to Abraham all the way to Jesus, we learn that we are considered righteous not because of our work, but because of God's favor. Righteousness is granted to you. It is not earned, but it is promised. Now, if you have been in the Lutheran church for any uh, extended period of time, you should have had this truth burned into your brains. We are saved by grace alone. Oh, good, that was, could have gone bad. By grace alone, through faith, on account of Christ, all alone, all apart from works, all apart from anything else. And if you've been in the Lutheran church, you thank God that you've had this burned into your brains, and you should, and you should thank God that you're not like those denominations over there, you know, who get it all wrong. They're, they're always emphasizing their works and the stuff they do, but not us. We're the good Lutherans. We've got it all figured out. And we are righteous because we get the answers right on the test. Right? Wrong. See, Here's the problem. Even in a church when we, thank, we do thank God, I'm not being sarcastic there, we do thank God that we, we emphasize this teaching of grace, but the reality is, is that as religious beings, we so often tend to look for our righteousness and our right standing, and we start to boast about things that are not Jesus Christ all the time. For us in the Lutheran church, I think our temptation is to boast in the fact that we've got our theology right as opposed to boast in the fact that we have Jesus Christ at all. In any church body, regardless, that boasts more about themselves than they boast about Jesus, we're missing the point entirely. See, I think this is the hardest thing in the world for religious folks to get, that God is not impressed with you because of your performance, but God loves you purely by grace. No, I think our saint in this, or our, our sort of the guy we follow in this, 
is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like the religious guy in the New Testament. And Nicodemus, in our reading today from John's Gospel, cannot seem to wrap his mind around this teaching that we are saved by grace alone. Nicodemus is operating, as so many religious people do, with this idea that our relationship to God is based upon performance. It's a performance-based faith. If we were to ask Nicodemus how he would define a good religion, he would probably go with Paul's first sentence today. That to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. For folks like Nicodemus, this is a great functioning definition of religion. That your relationship to God is based on your performance. Now, the reason Nicodemus and many of us in the church tend to think this way, or at least default this way, (laughs) is because this is how we think about every single thing in this world. We judge everything in this world based on its performance. For example, how many of you are going to go out and buy a car by grace alone? Nobody. You're going to check out the performance. You're going to make sure that this car is going to do its job. But this is how it works in our vocations and our relationships as well. Let's say you're a boss in charge of a number of people and you're responsible for giving out uh, raises. How do you decide who gets a raise and what kind of raise they get? It's based on performance. Uh, This afternoon, I'm in what you call a fantasy baseball league, and I'm not going to explain all of this to you because I don't even know if I know that much about it, but I'm picking players from the major league to put on a team so I can win pretend games against other people. This is how much of a baseball nerd I've become. But you see, I'm not going to pick my players from my fantasy league based on grace alone. I'm not going to pick the worst players to prove how kind I am. I'm going to pick the best players so I can win. Or even we think about this, uh, maybe when we start to think about, you know, having work done around the house. If you've ever had a plumber, you don't choose your plumber by grace alone. You choose your plumber based off of recommendations from other people to see how they perform. This is one of those lessons I learned the hard way, you see, when I was back up in Moorpark and we decided to replace the sink in our kitchen, uh, and I decided that I could do this with the help of a gentleman from our church, and we spent, I think, three 12-hour days trying to replace the sink. Uh, We reformed and formed and reformed uh, the pipes to go into the wall to make sure it fit all perfectly, and finally, uh, we sent the gentleman home, and it was all done, and we turned the sink on, and what happened? All the water went everywhere. You see, according to the righteousness of the plumber's law, I was the chief of sinners. And I needed somebody to come along apart from me, outside of me, to make the work I had done wrong right. We had to hire a good plumber. We needed a righteous plumber. See, in every area of our lives, righteousness, right standing, we should say, is based on performance. So for Nicodemus to think about his relationship to God this way is not all that far-fetched. Nicodemus, like so many of us, think of religion in this way, that it is performance-based. Now, Nicodemus is sort of the chief example of this because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and we need to know a little bit about what the Pharisees were if we're to understand what's going on here. Uh, The Pharisees believed that righteousness before God was based really on two factors— The first factor was that you were born Jewish. You were born into the covenant people of God. You were one who was born into Israel, and Israel was God's chosen people. Therefore, you had sort of this gracious right position by your heritage. So righteous by heritage. 
However, that wasn't enough because Nicodemus knew enough of his friends to know uh, that they were pretty big sinners. And so being a Jew wasn't enough. You had to be a Jew and you had to perform. And nobody performed better than the Pharisees. They believed that the relationship of Israel to God was sustained and maintained by their performance. And so the Pharisees worked day and night to make sure that they kept the law perfectly. And to be sure they kept the law perfectly, they made even more laws around the laws to make sure they kept those perfectly so they wouldn't come close to breaking the actual laws. It was law upon law upon law upon law. And this is how they felt they were righteous before God. So Nicodemus cannot fathom what Jesus is saying when he says to him this today. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And later to Nicodemus he says, you're wondering because I said you must be born again. That is, your first birth as a Jew is not enough. Your birth into the Lutheran church is not enough. Your birth into the right family, the right country, the right anything is not enough. Nor is your performance as a member of that community. Your heritage and your work do not make you righteous. This is why the metaphor Jesus uses here is so wonderful, the metaphor uh, of birth. Because one, uh, birth is something you uh, sort of receive or you're a part of, but you don't really contribute to at all. Think about this. How much work did you do when you were born? Uh, ask your mom. You did nothing. She did everything. It was all her work. I'm sure she has some help from the doctors, but she's not going to give them that much credit. She was the one doing the work, you see. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying. If you want to be righteous before God, you must do nothing Someone else has to do the work. A new birth has to take place. And just as you contributed really nothing to the first birth, you simply uh, were passively brought into this world, it's the same here. You must do nothing, and the Spirit must do everything. And as Jim said so wonderfully today in our children's message, uh, this is what took place in your baptism. You were born again a second time, not by your work, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. All of this is to say that if you want to be righteous enough to see the kingdom of God, you cannot trust your heritage and you cannot trust your performance. You cannot trust anything about yourself. You cannot trust your, her uh, your denominational affiliation. You cannot trust the fact that you're cynical about all denominations and you find yourself being above all denominations and just trusting in the right way. You cannot trust anything inside of you Everything about you needs redoing. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus cannot grasp this because his faith has been placed in his heritage and his performance as a Pharisee. And he, now Jesus says this to him and he's like, what, this learns nothing before God? And then I like how, I love the way Nicodemus tries to poke holes in Jesus' metaphor. What am I supposed to do? Climb back up in my mother's womb? She votes no. What are we doing with this Jesus? And he says, how can these things be? And Jesus says to the man who is so proud of his performance, who is so proud of his identity as a teacher of Israel, Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you don't understand these things? Jesus goes right after his pride. In other words, dear Nicodemus, <laughs> I, your judge, 
the one who judges your performance, am not all that impressed by you and your performance as a religious leader of my people. Jesus is saying, if you're going to have any hope at all, you're going to need to find your righteousness somewhere else because you are missing the core message of Scripture that it's based on grace alone. And your performance as a religious leader of my people is doing you no good. And this then is what Paul echoes today in our reading. When he says these words that are utterly offensive to hear to any person who takes pride in their religious performance. When Paul writes this, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, doesn't justify the one who's tried their hardest, doesn't justify the one who was born into the right family or right church or right uh, uh, ethnicity or whatever, no, but justifies the sinner. His faith is counted as righteousness. His faith is counted as righteousness. Why? Because he's not trusting in himself for righteousness. He's trusting Jesus. He's trusting Jesus to grant him righteousness he's trusting jesus to make him right it depends entirely on god's grace through faith on account of christ alone and this is when as soon as you say this to a religious person what we start to do is this we start to do something where we go yeah but right we like to play the what about game what about when i did this or what about how i've done that and look at all the years i've given and look at all the work i've done and look at how many people i've served in the church and look at all of these things and when we start to play the what about game to try and prove how righteous we are by our church-based performance or any performance we've done what we start doing is demonstrating how right jesus and paul are and what starts happening is that these good works that we've done which really are good works become our greatest sins because we're starting to trust them for righteousness We're starting to trust them to do something that only Jesus can do. Declare us righteous. See, our works, our heritage, our performance, it gets us nowhere before God. Our only hope is in a God who bases his love for you, not on you, but on him who saves you in spite of you. See, our relationship to God is not performance-based. It's based on the work of Jesus Christ accomplished for you. It's based on a promise that you are forgiven and loved on account of Christ. Because you see, God is not looking for you to be a plumber. He's not looking for you to see if he wants to draft you onto his fantasy baseball team. He's not even looking to see if you have what it takes to be a great religious performer in his church. He knows his chances with sinners. Yes, even in the Lutheran church. What's he looking for? God is looking simply to love you. He's looking to forgive you. He's looking not to take from you, but to give you all things. A problem is that that in our pride, we won't have him do it. We want to be rewarded, but God instead gives us the gift of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All this is to say the only performance that matters in our relationship with God is God's performance. The father sending his son to die on the cross for your sins, raising the son again on the third day so that we would be declared righteous and now the son granting us the Holy Spirit 
so that we might receive these gifts and trust in him alone. Our righteousness is found in a promise that I proclaim to you this morning. All of your hope, all of your righteousness is found in these words, that you are the ungodly one whom Jesus Christ has justified. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for boasting in our own works. Forgive us for ever taking our eyes off of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask you, dear Father, to grant us joy and hope and confidence in the gracious work of Jesus Christ for us. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.